Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 168, and this is a very exciting episode. Not only do we have more Clone Wars to discuss, but we're coming up on May the 4th, so there's been a lot of announcements, and Jesse, I'm very excited to get into it. Agreed. It's been... A wonderful time to be quarantined with Star Wars goodness all surrounding us. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I would like to preface this that Illinois might as well be Camino because we are in the middle of a <laughs> storm. Uh, we have a lot of rain, thunder, lightning, all that stuff right now. So it's uh, you know bear with us as uh, you might hear some some random stormy noises out there. All right, Jesse, before we start talking about the Clone Wars, let's go ahead and get into the news. And there's been a ton of news, as I said earlier. Um, Let's begin with The Mandalorian. So uh, a couple months back, we found out that The Mandalorian Season 2 had begun filming. And now here we are in April, and there's been talks from a lot of websites, reputable websites, uh, fan site, Fanthatrax, I'm sure many of you know them. Uh, posted this, as well as Variety, um, who's pretty reputable as well, um, that The Mandalorian Season 3 is in the works. So we don't have anything, essentially, from Season 2, but they're expecting it to do well, just as well as the first season. So we've got Mandalorian Season 3 already in the works, which is exciting. Yeah, that show's incredible, so I cannot wait to dive back into that, knowing that it won't be the end yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And around November, when we first got the child, Baby Yoda, everyone was freaking out because no merchandise was going to be ready for the holidays. But here we are now in spring and all of the promises from, you know, a lot of the major companies uh, are being fulfilled now. So I just got my child Funko Pop the other day and I'm expecting my Black Series to show up any minute. So I'm very excited about all the Mandalorian merchandise. Yeah, I was on a Zoom call last night with some friends, and I think at least, like, three of, like, ten people were all holding up their Baby Yoda Funko Pops that they had gotten (laughs) in the mail, and I was like, oh, man, how have I not gotten on this? And so I immediately got on Amazon and ordered one. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Yeah, you can't can't miss out on that, and there's a 10-inch one coming out soon, too. Ugh, life-size. Yeah. And speaking of... New live action announcements for Disney Plus. We've had some Cassian andor um, casting announcements. So we have a few people here to announce as new cast members. Um, returning Star Wars actress Genevieve O'Reilly, who has 
played Mon Mothma in the past and will reprise that same role in this series. Um, and then we also have Denise Goff, Stellan Skarsgård, and Kyle Soler, who are all unnamed characters, but are officially announced as being part of the new series. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I can't wait for this. I feel like the casting show has kind of gotten overshadowed a little bit. Like, you know, you hear about Mandalorian, you hear about Kenobi, you hear about the Clone Wars and and all the movies. But um, I feel like the casting show has gotten a little overshadowed. And I think, you know, this is a time period during this galactic civil war that a lot of people really enjoy. I feel like a lot of people really liked Rogue One and I feel like people should be excited for Cassian. Yeah, I do keep forgetting. I will admit that this is something that we're getting, but every time more news gets drugged up about it, I get all excited over again because I absolutely, especially K2SO, I'm really excited to have Alan Tudyk back as K2SO and um, Diego Luna. Like, I just loved them, so I'm yeah. I'm excited. But we still don't have a release date announced for this show, which is a little bit of a bummer, but something to look forward to anyways. Yeah. And continuing on that Disney Plus train, um, something more in the near future, we have on May the 4th, we're also going to be getting, in addition to The Mandalorian, behind the scenes, eight episodes. We're also going to be getting the complete Skywalker saga will officially be up with The Rise of Skywalker being available on Disney Plus. So I feel like there's enough for us to create our own little stay-at-home quarantine Star Wars day without going out in the trenches and doing everything we used to do. I feel like I feel like we could still make a day out of it. Yeah. You know? And honestly, I don't know if they would have waited. I mean, this is they did not wait very long at all because the um, movie came out on DVD and Blu-ray like for physical copies on March 31st. So essentially the last day of March. So it was just over a month between the time that people went to the stores to get their copies and the time that it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Now, granted, it was out on digital two weeks before the last day of March, but still, I feel like, you know, if it weren't for this quarantine, we might not have gotten this this quickly. Yeah, I 100% agree. I know this is one of a couple of things that Disney has released early on Disney Plus due to the quarantine. They released Frozen 2 pretty quick after mm -hmm. um, its release. So I feel like this is just something that they're doing for, for us at home to keep us busy and happy. Yeah. And I, I'm very excited about it just because I don't like to put my discs in my uh, DVD player. Like, if I have to to watch all the films, I will. And I'm de I definitely like to have the physical copies, but I don't want to put all that wear and tear on my discs if I don't need to. So this is a great way to uh, keep all of my stuff preserved, which is great. And um, this goes perfectly with our book club for the month of May. So if you are reading along with us in our book club, um, we did a vote. We had polls up. Um, on both Twitter and on Facebook for the book for the month of May. And we're going to be reading The Rise of Skywalker by Ray Carson. So very excited to have everything kind of come together in that regard. So uh, I just got an email from Hasbro Pulse that says, Don't forget to join us this Friday, May 1st at noon Eastern Time on Hasbro on the Hasbro Pulse Facebook for Fan First Friday. We're, we'll be live streaming, live streaming with Patrick and Eric from the Hasbro Star Wars team. 
Tune in for news about your favorite Hasbro Star Wars lines. Word on the Holonet is that there may be a pre-order or two. So there's probably going to be some new exciting announcements uh, on May the 1st. So if you are uh, available, so I know Central Time, that's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, um, which is where we are. And I'm excited about that since I'm a huge Star Wars collector. So I can't wait to see what they announce. And I'm sure we'll announce on our social media pages or we'll share whatever the announcement is shortly after it's made. So, Absolutely. Now, if you guys are gamers like I am, you're very excited about the news that we're going to be having from Star Wars Battlefront 2. Now, by the time this airs, we will have already had this launch. So on April 29th, we are getting a huge update for Star Wars Battlefront 2, and that is going to be Scarif, which is very exciting. Uh, we had Scarif maps in Battlefront 1, but now we're getting it for Battlefront 2 as well. And there's a ton of other things that they're going to be adding to this. So I'm just going to talk about a few of them. We're going to be getting a lot more appearances. So we're going to be getting um, Kylo Ren wearing his reforged mask with the hood up from The Rise of Skywalker. We're going to be getting Rey wielding her yellow lightsaber, which I'm super excited about. And then we're also going to be getting Palpatine's appearance from uh, The Rise of Skywalker as well which is very exciting. And there's uh, special rewards for those who love challenges. So um, Darth Maul, he's going to have an appearance with his mechanical legs, and you have to essentially eliminate 5,000 enemies as Darth Maul to get that appearance, which is going to be absolutely crazy. And then there's a Ray hooded look, which uh, will be awarded to anyone who uncovers the mystery on Taco Donna. So I just love that they're continuing to update uh, Battlefront 2. It's been out for a few years now, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, those sound awesome. I heard, though, this is the last and final update for this version of the game, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they continue to, or they have continued to add things to Battlefront for, like I said, over two years, and so I think, you know, with the Skywalker saga coming to a conclusion that, um, you know, I think for them it's probably time to either work on Battlefront 3 or, uh, you know, move on to other things, so we'll see. But EA also does uh, Galaxy of Heroes, and I know... Last time, Jesse, we talked about the exciting new content that's going to be coming to uh, Galaxy of Heroes, and those are now all out as well. So, very exciting there. All right, let's go ahead and begin our discussion on the Clone Wars. And just like before, Jesse, I'm going to pass it over to you to lead our discussion. I am so excited to talk about this episode, The Phantom Apprentice. I feel like this was the most intense and incredible episode of Clone Wars that we've ever been graced with. And I know I was losing my mind from start to finish. So I just wanted to know before we get into it, like, what were you feeling when you were watching this episode? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that is the question, isn't it? I feel like a lot of us kind of felt similar ways. I definitely feel like because of where this episode is going and because, you know, where the, the Siege of Mandalore is going, 
it puts you in a strange spot because you essentially know what happens in uh, you know episode three, and that's where we're leading up. So you know, Order sixty six is going to be executed. You know, we this episode in particular, you know, we we finally get to sort of overlap with episode three, and so you're just like, oh no, are they going to execute Order sixty six in this episode? No, nah, like you're you're just <laughs> on the edge of your seat. And that's strange because a lot of times when you know what's going to happen, you don't like you don't have that feeling because you're like, oh, I know, I know what's going to happen, you know. Right. But with this episode, it it definitely brings you to that point of of you know tremendous amounts of anxiety. But I think everything that we saw with Ahsoka and Maul and and all that stuff was incredible. I feel like we are just getting a whole nother side to a story that we already know, which yeah. is what makes it so like special and exciting and suspenseful still. But getting into it, we started this episode with Ahsoka trapped by Maul, and we get the reveal basically. Well, we kind of had that reveal in the last episode that you know it was the wrong Jedi, it was not who he was looking for, but we kind of get that that interaction and Maul's kind of making it clear that he knows more of Sidious's plant than we might have ever thought he would be privy to. And I feel like that's like something that keeps coming back throughout this episode. Do you think that that Sidious has like actually let Maul in on a lot more of the plan than I personally would have expected him to? Or do you think this is all kind of part of Maul's like visions that he's been having that? Yeah. I personally think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I feel okay. like to a certain extent, if you are Maul and, you know, Palpatine is your master in order to, you know, just do the will of the dark side, Palpatine has to give you assignments and has to kind of let you in. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, at least a little bit, you know, um, right. on what the plan's going to be. But I feel like, you know, from this episode, we see that Maul does have these visions and does have these dreams and and is able to sort of see the future, kind of, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's impressive. And maybe Maul is more powerful with the mind than we thought, you know, with uh, even Jesse. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And doing his little telepathic intrusion, maybe maybe Maul is more than just a fighter. Maybe he is really strong in the force of the mind. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see him. I mean, we could talk about Jesse now if you want, but I was really I was kind of surprised to see him like doing the Kylo. Yeah, you know, is what I think of it as now from the Force Awakens is Kylo. You know, digging into people's minds, and we saw him pretty much do almost the exact same thing with the way his hand was positioned and talking about how he's going to break his mind if he doesn't give up what he wants. So that was really cool to get to see kind of like them share that dark force power, if you will. Yeah. I was really freaked out at that part too, because he's like, your mind will speak or it will break. I was like, uh, (laughs) I just beat my pants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I've found it interesting, like, the things he says without Ahsoka there. Like, he's, like, a throughout the episode, he's kind of, Maul is, like, a different person almost between when Ahsoka's present and when she's not. Like, he becomes more, like, almost, like, merciful when she's there. Like, he's trying to, like, appeal to her. And then when he's gone, he's, like, that, like, 
just a ruthless, I don't care about anyone but myself, like, person again. Um, which I thought it was interesting to watch him tiptoe kind of back and forth. Um, yeah. You have to be nice to the people that you want to help you. Yes. <laughs> Very manipulative Palpatine of him. Um, but at that point, before he takes Jesse, he refuses to even fight with Ahsoka at that point. Um, it's like he's he he had this whole thing orchestrated for Kenobi, and he's just needs time to manipulate it back into a way that this could be advantageous for him. You know, like she's put a call in a plan. And he's like, I'm not going to fight you right now. Like, and goes off and figures out a way to still twist this to his advantage. Yeah. Well, because it seemed like at a certain point, I think it was maybe Almec who said it or something, but like, they're like, oh yeah, he wants Kenobi. And he's like, yeah, but he also wants Skywalker. You know, he was, he was after that one name that he kept having in his vision. And so, I mean, we know that Maul, because of everything that happened in episode one and because of their history that they're continuously like fighting and things like that, um, you know, Maul obviously has this desire for revenge against Kenobi, but it seems like in this episode, Kenobi wasn't really who he was after. He was after Anakin. And that in itself was a way of revenge against Palpatine, I feel like, Mm -hmm. for kind of casting him aside. But Maul had no idea who Ahsoka was, you know? And so maybe with appealing to Ahsoka and maybe with, you know, learning more about her through Jesse and appealing to her like we were talking about maybe he was smart enough he had the foresight to sort of not create a problem where you know or not make things worse because he could use her yeah 100 percent. i feel like he just kind of saw like obviously knowing who Ahsoka is, like, once you talk to Jesse and you know who Ahsoka is and you know she's Anakin's Padawan, like, that must have almost felt like a gift to him. Like, oh, how did I, how did this fall in my lap yeah. that I've gotten? This could the, actually the, work out better. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool to see him kind of, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Sorry. They're both, <laughs> they're both two sides of the same coin. You know, they've, they come from yes. different paths, but they also are similar in that they were cast aside or, you know, whatever Maul says. She's like, well, I left the order on, you know, on purpose or whatever, intentionally. But it was the hypocrisy of the council that sort of drove her to do that. And, you know, she felt betrayed by the Jedi and by the council. And Maul was betrayed by Palpatine and, and all that. So, you know, he uses that to appeal to her. And... That was not something that he was expecting because he wasn't expecting her to be there. And so that, you know, that could have uh, worked out better than having just Kenobi and Skywalker there. Because honestly, if Kenobi and Skywalker were there, I don't think that Maul would have been able to take him out, you know? No, I don't think so either. It's like like Ahsoka says, you're lucky Anakin's not here. (laughs) Yeah. So before we get too much into that, you know, incredible scene at the end with Maul and Ahsoka, let's take a step back a little bit. We get a moment with Ahsoka and Obi-Wan where essentially he's like reaching out to her for help with Anakin. He, 
he knows, you know, that what Anakin's been asked to do with spying on the Chancellor is is maybe something that is going to be detrimental to him. It's it's interesting to see Obi Wan kind of realize that and and admit to Ahsoka that the Council isn't always right. And Ahsoka the whole time is just like turning her back to him. Like you could tell, like it's like they made it very clear that like Ahsoka has turned, like it's almost like he's the representation of the council at that point. And Ahsoka is just like firm standing her ground, like turning her back on them. Yep. That was a lot of symbolism right there. And um, I'm sure many of you who know me know that my favorite out of all the Star Wars movies is episode three. And I really don't like to, you know, pick favorites. They're kind of like all of my children, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, episode three really holds a, a special place in my heart because it connected the two trilogies together. And, you know, I was old enough to understand. I was 15 when that came out. Mm-hmm. And so I was old enough to kind of understand the plot and and um, appreciate it for what it was. And, um, you know, Anakin became my favorite character because of everything that he went through and, and because he was meant for more than being a slave and, and kind of, you know, having all the pressure on him. And, you know, I'm sure if Amanda listens to this, she'll make fun of me because she feels like I can't say a sentence without talking about how cool Anakin is. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you get to episode three and he's having these tough conversations with Obi-Wan about, you know, you want me to spy on the chancellor, you know, that's treason. And then he's torn between his alliance to the chancellor and, or his allegiance to the chancellor and his duty to sort of be this, you know, Jedi part of the order and, and do what the council tells you. And it's, it's a rough decision for him and it's emotional. And, and, you know, you could tell that Obi-Wan didn't want to ask him. He's Mm -hmm. like, you know, the council is asking you. And so, you know, rightfully so, they were right to be skeptical of, of Palpatine, but it was a tough conversation. And then in this conversation, you could tell, again, it was another tough conversation for Obi-Wan to then relay that message to Ahsoka with almost the exact same dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really cool to see that. And also, um, not only that part of the conversation with um, with Anakin and... Uh, you know, the, the chancellor and all that. But the first part of that conversation too, with Dooku, you know, talking about Dooku, Oh, Anakin killed Dooku. So now we can't question him about Sidious anymore. You know, it it was like, Obi-Wan wanted him alive. Right. It's like, Obi-Wan has come to the realization that Anakin is going down a path that is obviously not good. And he's reaching out to Ahsoka in these final moments to help, but we know he's not going to get that help, which is sad. And part of the reason why I know Revenge of the Sith is your favorite, and I also don't like to pick favorites, but I know that it's my least favorite (laughs) (laughs) because of how emotional and sad and some of my favorite characters get their hearts hearts broken, so I can't sometimes. But (laughs) um, there's a, a moment at the end of this scene where Ahsoka turns back to Obi-Wan and she says something like, tell Anakin, and then Obi-Wan's like, I'll tell him, or I know. Um, What do you think, because I'm kind of baffled by this, I don't even know if I have a speculation exactly, but what do you think Ahsoka wanted Obi-Wan to tell Anakin? I honestly have no idea. 
Um, right? Like, he, he, Obi-Wan seemed so, like, it was obvious. He was acting like he, he knew for sure what she wanted to say. I did not have that in my notes, so I must have, like, missed missed it. I need to go back and watch it and see if, you know, based off the dialogue, if anything comes to my mind. But I'm not getting anything right now. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything either. It's, it, it's, it was almost like a tell Anakin I love him moment. But, like, yeah. obviously that's not it. Like, that is almost what it felt like, a love you, I love you, I know mm-hmm. moment. But obviously it, it's not that. Or if it is, it's in, you know, the brotherly sisterly right. friendship way that they have but i just i can't imagine a sentence that would have come after that and i i hope I, that there's more light shed on that because that's it's sad that whatever it was that ahsoka is not able to to give anakin her last words basically yeah Next, we get kind of a look back on what, you know, Bo, Rex, and Ahsoka are up to. They go to get to question Almec, and we get his his last words, which were very... It's a very common last word, I think, in the Star Wars yeah. um, <laughs> um, family. Skywalker. Um in your last breaths. Maybe that should just be our goal to have it all be our last words. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we kind of learned that Maul has been consumed by this dread and this notion of Anakin and Sidious basically destroying everything. So here's a question. Do you think that because, you know, at the end of episode or at the end of season five, uh, the last time we see Maul prior to this season, and when Palpatine says, oh, well, I have another use for you, that's why he's keeping him alive. And it seems like that other use is, you know, with all the, the crime syndicates and all that. But it seems like Maul is, you know, he's he told all the crime syndicates to go into hiding, right? Yeah. And... Um, So now he's essentially just kind of like leading this Mandalorian invasion uh, almost. And, um, you know, it seems like he's more consumed with everything else now and more consumed with getting revenge um, or preventing Palpatine from getting his ultimate plan. So do you think that Maul veered away from Palpatine's plan or do you think that he's just trying to, you know, be that Sith where you take out your master? That's a good question. I feel like it might be a little bit of both. Like, I, I kind of think he's still in that phase where, or he at least orchestrating himself to that phase where we see him in Rebels where he's done with the Sith all entirely and, and he just wants to put an end to it. And I feel like he's already on that path. So I don't know if he, he like exactly wants to be the next Sith Lord, but he definitely wants to be... He definitely wants to replace Palpatine. I don't know if he wants to replace him as like a Sith Lord per se, but I I kind of think it's a bit of both where he's doing what Palpatine wants and trying to hold some form of control over him, you know, like tr- trying to win himself a foothold over Palpatine so he no, no longer has to work under his control kind yeah. of is how I've seen it. Speaking of the crime syndicates, it was super cool to see Dryden Voss yeah. standing in that group. Yeah, I was excited screen. to see that. Yeah, that was, that was cool. But then from there, he goes on to give this you know, 
speech to the Mandalorian, I felt like really kind of emphasized that he was trained by Palpatine because he basically sits there and tells them everything he knows a, Mand- a Mandalorian wants to hear. You'll die a warrior. You'll, you'll, you know, it's like everything that they wanted to hear but wouldn't ever hear under the reign of Satine. Maul yeah. was like giving that to them to like fuel their like fight and start the siege off. Like, yeah, and they were very... all like cheering and everything, and like it was, like you said, it was what they wanted to hear. To you know, it was like their pre-workout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, it's I can see, I feel like in this episode in particular, you can of Sidious in mall and you could tell that he you know he got that's where he's getting his manipulative ways from yeah so we have all mech talking about you know he gets that last word with skywalker and and uh you could tell that that mall you know we see mall he was essentially sending um gar saxon to take him out because mall must have told all mech about what he saw and why he wants Skywalker and, and all this other stuff, or at least part of it. And so just like, you know, the assassinator that he is, the murderer that he is, uh, Maul sends Gar Saxon out to to kind of silence him. It's just almost like a, you know, Django Fett to Zam Wessel, you know, we're going to take you out before you say anything um, type situation. And that sort of sparks this battle between red versus blue. We have, you know, Gar Saxon versus Bo-Katan. And honestly, I wasn't worried for either of them because we know that they both show up later in Rebels, but it was still a really cool fight to see them sort of in this elevator kind of going toe to toe with the flamethrowers and everything. And, and, uh, you know, this is kind of the two people that you wanted to see go at it from both sides. Yeah, I agree. It was like a full everything you want out of a Mandalorian brawl was given to us, I think, in that scene. And seeing her like stop the elevator with her like jetpack, it just reminded me of like Iron Man. It was like a very, (laughs) a very Iron Man moment for me. And it was like, it was like she got out of, you know, after the elevator stops and everything, she gets out and it's like she's you know, another day at work. Like, she's not, like, worried. She doesn't have, like, whoo, that was close. It was just like, all right. Right. Next. <laughs> you know. Goes so. right back into warrior mode. Yeah. Keeps running. <laughs> Bo-Katan, man. Savage. She is. So that brings us to the lightsaber battle between uh, Maul and Ahsoka. And this is something that, you know, we, we saw them clash blades, uh, uh, like, you know, a couple times at the beginning, but like we talked about, it wasn't really a fight, right? It was sort of just like, uh, I'm going right. to pick up Rex and launch, launch him at, at, uh, Ahsoka <laughs> done. But this right. is a legit battle and Maul, we talked a little bit about this earlier. He tries to appeal to her, you know, he tries right. to say we're the same, and you need me, and we can help each other. You know, almost like Ventress does. Almost like she has that connection with Ventress at the end of Season 5, where they're working together, and it's weird, but this is who Ahsoka is now. You know, she thinks about it, but, like, she she makes her decisions, and she's not part of the Jedi Order anymore, and she can do what she wants, you know? Right, and I feel like this like persona that Maul is putting on right now, it's very reminiscent of like that same personality he 
uses or the same side of his personality, I guess I should say that he uses to like lure Ezra in rebels. Yeah. It, like just like the way he's talking and the way he's like, Oh yeah, you guys just go. We'll be fine here. Don't worry. Like that very like <laughs> sinister, like trying to act harmless, like voice that he puts on. Yeah. Um, just reminded me and it, it, it makes sense as to why both her and Ezra, you know, stopped and like, we're like, oh, like maybe you are talking sense because it's it's creepy because he kind of is talking. He's he's not lying. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. His he's not acting altruistically, but right. he, but he's everything he's saying is like, oh, like yeah, I do want to do all those same things. All those things are something I would like to defeat and vanquish and not have come to fruition. Yeah. And it's not surprising that she. I mean, it's almost. It's almost Ahsoka-like that she stood there and considered his side. It kind of like reminds you, because later he says something like, um, he like compares her to Kenobi, and he's like, I can tell you've been trained, or that you've, you know, we're in the presence of Kenobi. He can like hear her banter of Kenobi, and he's got the fighting, she has the fighting style of Anakin, and she has the, she's been raised by Padme, too. Yeah. So it's like she has that like very balanced, rounded background of people who have made her who she is. That and I feel like that's like the Padme side of her right now. That's like I will listen to all sides, and maybe you are right, even though you're crazy Sith Lord Maul right now. I'll hear you out. Um, yeah. And she almost, she she almost. I mean, she agrees for a hot second. She agrees to go with him, and I feel like it was. It's just her faith in Anakin that really it saves her, even though she her faith is obviously not what comes <laughs> to be. Um, but it's it almost like saves her from Anakin. Kind of saves her from going down that dark path that she would have gone down if she did right take his hand. Yeah, I mean. She's in agreement until Maul says that Skywalker's the key to everything, key to destroy. He's going to be groomed as, he's been groomed as my master's new apprentice. And that's when she sort of is like, uh, no. And then they start their fighting, you know. And there are a lot of lightsaber battles out there. But I feel like this is, I mean, for multiple reasons, Ahsoka's in it. But I feel like this one's got to be like your favorite one. Yeah. This 100% my favorite one. I feel like, I, I mean, it's it's difficult to, like, compare this right now. Because you know how it is. Every time you have something new and shiny, you're like, this is my favorite toy. And then you get, like, the next new and shiny <laughs> thing. You're like, this is my favorite toy. But if I really sit and think back on all the lightsaber battles, there's some really good ones. Really epic ones, hands down. But I don't know. For me... I feel like this is a big contender. And for me personally, it's the best one of all time. I've never felt so suspenseful. And I mean, like you said, we talked about in the beginning, like we knew neither of them were going to die. Um, but I think it's that it's like, we know they're not going to die, but like, what is going to happen? Like, what is, what is this for? Like, where are we working towards? Like, I don't know something about all of that built up of what the Siege of Mandalore is, I feel like it just made this so epic. And it's just, 
the way it was done, it's just unprecedented in animation, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they use, like, motion capture yes. is incredible. I mean, I remember going to, um, at Star Wars Celebration last year, they were talking, I think Dave Filoni uh, was talking about Ray Park that was, uh, you know, performing Maul's movements. So when you see Maul move, it's Ray Park moving, you know? And then they used Lauren Mary Kim for Ahsoka, um, who, you know, they, they, they had it down. And it was, it was cool watching that. And honestly, because I knew that, that you know, they were going to fight in this episode, or at least I knew when the fight was going to happen, that they were, it was, you know, Ray Park and everything. I was watching Maul more than anything else. Like, I, it almost, not in a bad way, but, it, like, it took me out of the fight a little bit because I knew it was Ray Park, you know? And then I watched it again, and I was right. like, oh, okay. So, you know, it, it, it was very cool to, to see that type of technology work its way into Star Wars animation, knowing that even now... You know, 2020 with this episode of Clone Wars, Ray Park is still Darth Maul. <laughs> so I know. it's so cool. I feel like the exact same way where you said it almost took you out of it. Like, yeah, I, I had to keep stopping and being like, this is amazing. This is movie quality. This is mm -hmm. I, like, I couldn't just watch it. Like I was just in my head, like, just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is awesome. I can't believe we're getting this. This is awesome. Um it was just so cool. Just the lighting and their body movements. It just made it so realistic. It's like you're almost questioning whether you're watching it in live action. I don't know. Maybe that sounds stupid, but. No, it, it feels like it feels real, you know, when you yeah. watch it, which is, I think, a testament to the creators, you know. But they fight and they fight and they fight and they fight some more. <laughs> and then, um, you know, at the at the end, Maul gets captured and he gets saved by Ahsoka. He wants to fall to his death. But, um, you know, if you remember at uh, in the last episode, Old Friends Not Forgotten, Obi-Wan says it's best to capture him. He's really hard to kill, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then we get that secondary comment from Ahsoka that says, Obi-Wan was right, you are hard to kill. And, and so mm -hmm. she saves him. She uses the force to keep him from falling down to his death. And then, you know, the, the clones come and, or the Mandalorians and the clones come and stun him and have him suspended over the city. And before he gets stunned, he's, like, screaming. And I had, like, goosebumps. I'm like, this dude is, like, insane. Mm. It's almost like the Joker being hung upside down in the dark night, just, like, spewing his words. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't know what's going to happen. I feel uncomfortable. I need, like, a glass of water. Like, I don't know what's happening. You I know. know. So um, it was, yeah. It was, it was very intense. And they sort of leave you there and make me want to hit things because I want the next episode. <laughs> I know. I feel like I kept trying to like think in depth on what all of that, like that last line of everything that Maul said in that moment, like, what does that mean? Like, why does he want to die? Like, you're all going to burn. Like, it's just like, it's, it's, I feel like it was just to torture us for the next episode. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it just felt like it was like Dave Filoni mocking us being like it's gonna get so much crazier than it already is you still have two more episodes to go <laughs> like, yeah it was epic i think 
I can speak for the both of us when I say that this was a fantastic episode, and I cannot wait for the next two episodes. Um, so we have one coming up this upcoming Friday, which I believe is called Shattered, and then we have one on May the 4th, which, what day is that? Is that like Monday? It's like Monday or something, right? Monday or Tuesday? I think it's I think it's Monday. So we have one, yeah, this, oh wait, that's April. Uh, so we have one this Friday, which is May 1st, and then, yeah, we have the, the last one on Monday, May 4th, so we only have to wait a few days to get the next one, um, which will be good. So uh, we'll have probably wait until after the last one to combine those two on an episode. But The Siege of Mandalore, it's very epic. It's very exciting to see this finally come to fruition. We've heard a lot about it from not only Dave Filoni's mouth, but read about it in books and things. And so now we're finally getting to see everything come together, even with, you know, Solo with the Dryden Voss cameo and, and the Pikes and the crime syndicates and, you know, everything with the Ahsoka novel. And we're going up to episode three and, you know, Order 66 is going to happen. There's just so many exciting things that are being bridged with this final arc of Clone Wars and um, very excited about it. Yeah, I agree. It's just so cool that even within something that we got an entire movie about, they're able to still deepen the story. Yeah. Th- through Maul and Ahsoka, basically. And it, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing. Incredible. We're so lucky. Yep. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode, everyone. If you have some thoughts on uh, The Phantom Apprentice that you would like um, to talk to us about, please comment uh, in the comments, and we'd love to uh, continue conversations because we could continue on talking about this all day if we uh, if we could. <laughs> but uh, we're running out of time, so uh, Jesse, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to our podcast, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to episode 168 of Twin Suns Transmission. We hope everybody enjoys the next couple episodes of Clone Wars and has a fantastic May the 4th. Be sure to follow us on the social media platforms that Jesse told you about because we're going to have a lot of content coming up next week for May the 4th. As always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always.
I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Potterway. This time you will not have to meet the king.